Recycling is the need of the hour. Every year, an insane amount of usable waste ends up in landfills. Luckily, brands like Berserk have found a solution for this. Berserk is a made-in-India label that creates handmade accessories like gold-plated jewelry and vegan leather handloom bags. The idea behind the products and the brand is to showcase this craftsmanship and skill to the world, but with a contemporary twist to the products. Their products are upcycled and 100% cruelty-free. All the material used is pure and non-plastic which makes the product more durable and sustainable for long use. You can connect with them at shopbazaar.com. They ship pan-India. Listeners overseas can get in touch with them on Instagram or Facebook for international shipping. The links are mentioned in this episode's description. When I was starting my podcast on responsible travel, I often wondered that what if this comes to an end after 4 or 5 episodes. At max 10. I preached about responsible travel but I had only introduced myself with a small part of it. Plastic pollution? Check. Slow travel? Check. Homestays? Check. Local artisans? Man-animal conflict? Slow food? ETC, ETC? Check, check, check. But these topics are only worth 10 episodes max. As I started, I got to learn more. During this time, I have learned about new topics and new causes that relate to this cause directly or indirectly. And now it has been 28 episodes and we are still going strong. A part of it should be credited to you guys who started tuning in, subscribed and gave me so many downloads in 4.5 months only. Wow, and I said all this without reading a script. Today I am joined by founder of Siena, a farm-to-table restaurant in Kolkata. Now this is a topic that I don't know anything about. The episode was really insightful and I am sure that you guys will take it too. And as usual, before we start, please make sure that you have subscribed to the podcast on the platform you are listening. And without further ado, please welcome Aruni and Shuli from Siena and let's hear what they are up to. And I said all of this without reading a script again. Hey guys, how are you? We're good, uh, rather hectic. What about you, Shuli? Yeah, same. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, it's been a roller coaster last few months because it's like you were in hibernation for three months and then now we kind of had to restart almost like a startup feels like. Right, yeah. It's like the 2.0. We always say the Sienna 2.0. <laughs> yeah, uh, 2020 2.0. It's yeah. rather apt in that sense. <laughs> Before we start the conversation, please share a little about your work and uh, how did you guys come up with this uh, concept? Um, So we started with handmade ceramics actually. Uh, My mother started this ceramic workshop in Shantaniketan. And uh, then we decided to open a store in Calcutta to kind of showcase the products. And over the next few years, when we opened our second branch in Hindustan Park, uh, which is a lovely neighborhood with old homes and uh, narrow roads and streets. Uh, we decided to add a cafe section to the store uh, because we wanted to showcase our pottery in a more sort of um, in a more real way where people could interact with the ceramics and eat food while they're shopping. So then the cafe kind of over time became very popular and took over the space in a way. And now the store and cafe go hand in hand. Uh, We can't really imagine the brand now without the cafe. Um, And then we decided to expand into Park Street, which is a more central kind of office area of Calcutta. 
um, and that's when we decided to uh, work with Orani because um, when we were expanding our F&B, we decided that we really needed some professional help to go to the next level. Uh, so yeah, now we're working with Orani and a new team in the kitchen. Yeah, and I think the very important part, I mean, besides me coming on board and what my past is or isn't, you know, uh, Sienna, from the beginning, I mean, the reason it was kind of brought together was because Shuli and her mom, uh, Shanta, uh, they kind of wanted to uplift local artisans. They wanted to uplift, uh, you know, local, uh, you know, communities uh, and local, you know, so, so uh, you know, cultural um, elements as well. And I think that has a lot to do with the topic we're going to, you know, kind of go into detail yeah which is farm to table, the basic premise of farm to table is to do everything with, by cutting out the middleman. You are trying to make everything by hand or procure everything by hand from just one source and you are collaborating with that source. And I think that is one of the biggest, um, what should I say? It's, it's one of the biggest uh, driving visions of Sienna, you know, all across the board. It's right. not just our vegetables or the produce that we're procuring for, you know, our cafe or restaurant menu. Um, that comes from a farm-to-table, uh, you know, ethos. It's also every other aspect, you know, from the fabrics to the terracotta. Um, the idea here is that we do not want to turn into some sort of a big company. We do not want to support that kind of big company thinking as well, you know, where it's all about logistics and it's all about, you know, procuring at the, you know, the most efficient uh, uh, economically or financially efficient way pro uh, possible, you know. Um, if it means we need to, uh, you know, not look at economies of scale sometimes uh, and in return, you know, promote a local way or a homegrown way of doing things, then that is always our priority, you know, um, if, if that kind of makes sense. Now that we have already started talking about farm to table, uh, sure. it's an interesting concept if done correctly. So, uh, yeah. I would like to know why it has become so popular in hospitality industry and how does it connect with responsible travel? Since this is a responsible travel podcast, so how does it sure. connect? Sure. Um, so, Anshul, there's two sides to this, you know. Um, see, um, at least when it comes to the slightly more um, liberal and educated classes in India or even world over, um, there is a strong move to kind of combat, uh, you know, issues and problems such as, I mean, of course, there are the larger problems such as global warming or, you know, the climate uh, change crisis and debate that is, you know, constantly being spoken about amongst governments, amongst larger organizations. Um, it is something that, you know, you can't, you can't deny, you know. So if one takes that as a larger inspiration, I think the desire to want to you, uh, conduct yourself uh, or consume in a slightly more, you know, conscious way, and that translates to everyone's day-to-day -day eating as well. Um, so that's one aspect of it, you know, if you want to look at, from, look at it from a larger responsibility kind of a place. But I think the second part, which makes it far more interesting, and I think why we love doing it and aren't just doing this as, some sort of an ecological chore, you know, so to say, is the fact that that is where the story of a place comes from. Um, if you look at farm to table and if you go back to, 
you know the origins of delicious food it always came from a very specific geographic location right and why is the tea in darjeeling so famous or why are the sausages in goa you know uh, out of margao so famous because a it's made by hand b it's done through old and rather traditional uh, cultural as well as agricultural practices or farming practices it's not just about you know the food being organic or healthier or more nutritious or delicious the fact that there is a story behind it that you know it is this particular region because the rainfall is fantastic over there or it is on this particular stretch of river you know where the farmland is or or it's this particular hillside where you know the sun falls in just the perfect way and you know that's why the mangoes ripen in a certain way or the you know the tea leaves have that freshness to it um i think that is the biggest attraction or lure to this concept um if that makes sense uh, i think it's it's like a it's a different way of living it's a certain lifestyle choice um so i think from the way um something is grown and then the way something travels to you and then the way you cook it it's all sort of tied together in that farm to table concept where uh it's not only better for you but the food tastes better and it's also better for the environment so it's kind of all coming together i guess you have been following farm to table concept for a long time so please share a personal experience with it and what it takes to achieve it <laughs> uh yeah okay i mean i think this is one truly why don't you talk about getting uh, mahua from salbar um and I and mean, the pains that one has to go through for that as well <laughs> i mean yeah the the thing with uh, choosing this way of running a business especially i mean if you personally eat in a conscious way or grow your thing your food in a conscious way it's it's much easier right but if you're doing it in terms for a business it's much harder um so i mean the moment orani told me about his mother's mohwa i was very excited about uh, acquiring it and then using it in our desserts or wherever possible but i think and i remember when um, his mother came i think with these mahua uh, oatmeal biscuits to siena to the cafe and uh, we were so mesmerized by it and we were like so excited about using it but of course it is a very difficult thing to use every for every menu and you know it's seasonal and there are certain restrictions in how we uh, she sends it to us so yeah i mean yeah i mean see to begin with it's a foraged ingredient right, right? now one of the biggest difference between say things that are being procured by hand versus say being right. manufactured or processed is storage is quite hard right. you know um as a restaurant or as a food business when you're typically procuring ingredients how perishable it is really matters you know right. Right. now quite often when you're getting something that is foraged there's a good chance you know that if not stored properly it might go bad because it's coming from a jungle it might already have a few you know uh, bugs in it and yeah. things like that just like you know when you buy organic uh, leaves uh, if there are holes in it it's a good sign because that actually means they That's haven't weird. used pesticide and it's real and you know um that that an insect can actually eat some of it yeah. that does not make it a bad thing to consume in any way but the fact is that you know there are no courier mm-hmm. companies in the jungles you know so when you try and get a product like this which is not even farmed but almost foraged you know because it is just something which is growing there are wild trees along the farms and you know it is just collected by hand 
um i'll give you another example you know that uh, we kind of try and follow is we have a lot of farmers who grow great produce in and around the cities of kolkata uh, kolkata you know and um we have this one particular farmer who gives us just lebus uh, which are limes and uh, eggs because he has uh, you know uh, about uh, two dozen or so chickens and every week we get about 20 to 24 eggs but quite often one week we'll get 12 one week we'll get 16 um the problem with procuring like this is how do you set a you know a consistent menu how do you have consistent pricing how do you have consistent quality you know these are the kind of things which really do uh, bring forth a lot of challenges when it comes to you know serving farm to table because uh, you're not going to get that same produce all around the year and 9 out of 10 customers will come back to your restaurant and say oh but i ate this the uh, particular way the last time round it doesn't taste the same so all that education all that um, you know work in terms of constantly redesigning your menu constantly restructuring your menu um that is a lot of not just i would say intellectual work you know or creative work but it's a lot of operational work as well you know you have to train your staff every month because your menu changes every month uh you have to you know constantly uh, change the way you are you know maybe setting up your storage um essentially it is a huge operational headache is because it's more work but i think that is also where the reward in all of this is that it does make for a very crafted operation and it makes for a rather crafted experience because you are thinking through everything you know from start to finish and like i am sure that incidents like amphan also affect your work in a adverse negative way i think in terms of you know supply of produce yeah. and uh, you know restricted travel and transport all of that uh, is definitely an obstruction to acquiring uh, produce daily produce for our menu so the changes we had to make initially when we started the delivery uh service we had to really think about what we would put in the menu on the menu because there was a lot of produce that was not available in the market so uh while we loved making things like salads and salad bowls we really had to uh cut down on those kinds of things in our menu um i think because not only was it covid and this pandemic had hit uh the country but also it was um fun right after so it was one after the other you know uh, environmental uh, sort of catastrophe yeah and you must understand that farmers also you know farming is something which is kind of a short to long term plan if you know what i mean right. um, in the sense when we discuss something with a farmer they will say okay we've just planted something but it takes you almost half to a full season and that is 3 months to 6 months to kind of complete that season right with amphan coming in um it's almost like half the farms you know in bengal which is wiped out and you know when we reopened and we restarted our operation quite often just basic you know ingredients such as like like chuli said like greens um they just weren't available because um, entire farms had just been kind of just been blown away in that sense you know or entire crop cycles had just been uh, destroyed or blown away so i mean in that sense it did have a rather you know um significant impact on us and even 
to date like you know most farms are right now choosing to just grow things which are easy for them to grow you know which are low risk you know in that sense because um even they are recovering from the loss uh, understand that losing out on a cycle means a huge loss for them you know in that sense i mean we are working with restricted ingredients um but it also kind of makes us more excited because i think we had started taking for granted a lot of things you know uh, and now it's just making us work harder to be more innovative to you know try out new things try out new vegetables or produce which we wouldn't have even considered before i mean in the sense that if we always had lettuce leaves in the market now today we're trying to actually use local spinaches you know as leaves in our salads or in our stir fries and things like that um you know before this if one wanted to kind of make healthy salad quinoa used to be something you'd think about you know but now we're just switching completely to a local black rice or local millets things that are just being grown in literally a you know 50 to 100 km radius of the city you know so in that sense it really is pushing us to think out of the box and try and make the most of it as well uh, but what uh, how do you source uh, how do you source mahua from uh, such a far distance so mahua is coming from madhya pradesh which is yeah, yeah. i mean in national park and uh, so whenever my parents drive down to either raipur or nagpur which are the closest cities you know uh they'll just send it across via courier or if they're flying down themselves or i go there you know i will fly back with 10 kgs and you know then distribute it amongst the few restaurants that do like to you know procure this and work that way um so understand that even in the way they are packaging it and things like that it's not like something which is processed and then you know packed in a lot of plastic and then you know it's not something as ready to be sold in a supermarket aisle uh, it's something you have to be very careful of and be uh, committed to because once it arrives in our kitchens and in our uh, you know storage we have to store it a particular way and even this we kind of have figured out a local way of storing it which my you know my mom learned from uh, you know some of the um, neighboring uh, villagers which is that they uh, keep neem leaves and neem sticks you know in the containers which they store the mahua and uh, i mean in bengal neem pata is a beloved ingredient and you know uh, it's of course good for your health and digestion and things like that but it's 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 consumed quite regularly on a daily basis across homes you know so it's 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 another natural a uh, remedy for us to kind of you know store that and uh, make it last our thing is that we will always even if we're procuring directly if if not from bengal but from another region in the country we just make sure our conversation is direct with the producer itself you know that it is not through some sort of a supplier or distributor you feature a wide variety of products uh, from local producers and uh, artisans at your restaurant so yeah. how important is uh, giving back to the community for you um it's <laughs> it's actually uh, a of huge importance because that's kind of how we started the ceramic workshop uh, a long time ago because it was supposed to be an upliftment program for actually like just a workshop for uh, uh, rural artisans in the neighborhood 
and then it became an actual business uh, so that it could support them in a more real sort of long term way and that root uh, you know value system has still is still you know strong in siena and that's what we're still trying to continue through our food as well a huge part of what we do every day you know? um collaboration is something you know we always talk about amongst you know the seniors and the leadership in the organization and we genuinely believe that all good creative work actually comes from you know collaboration uh, it can't just be single minded um, i mean if if there is one smaller you know tenet that we follow in the kitchen is that we don't believe in secret recipes you know anybody comes and asks us for a recipe we're very happy to give it um also you know other eateries or you know restaurants are rather uh, closed about who they let into their kitchens while you know we are constantly wanting to invite other chefs uh, be it from other restaurants or be it home chefs it's it's just about you know wanting to work with like minded people and i think that is our biggest um aim at the end of the day which is that we know we are a small homegrown company with i mean we're not we don't have the most popular business sentiments in the community right now but we just feel that the more like minded people we collaborate with the more evangelists we can you know find to bring onto our side of the corner and this all makes sense because uh, climate conditions right now have affected farming everywhere in himalayas melting glaciers have affected farming and a lot of their produce has gone down innovation and giving back is so important because this is the only way these communities will survive and this is not only about farm to table there are groups that are developing homestays there are groups that are installing solar power plants so one should like it is important that right now we Uh, think about giving back to these people because for so long they have been doing this work without understanding of the business or understanding of the market absolutely absolutely um and we really hope that somewhere we are a platform to kind of showcase their talents and skills um and it's like you said it's across the board uh, farm to table is just one side of it but if you have to take a larger concept out of all of this call it local to table or call it artisan to table or i mean there is generally a large group of you know people producing all sorts of creative arts and forms and and products um but i think the handmade part is what makes us rather interested in it because there is someone's you know heart soul and you know um actual you know blood sweat and tears going into making something very crafted and very unique anyhow uh, coming to the lighter side of things Uh, I sure. have never interviewed uh, people from food business till now. So, okay. what are your favorite ingredients? Uh, I mean, since we've been talking so much about mahua, honestly, I I love it so much, and I always want to think about how to use it, especially in our desserts or make it like a syrup. Or I really love it. Um, I'm a huge fan of those kind of like date and agave type stuff. So mahua is definitely something that stands out for me. I mean, there's so many things. I love food. I love all kinds of ingredients. Whether it's like beautiful local limes that he was talking about that we just got from a farm that day, um, or whether the coriander root that we use. I mean, all of these things are so interesting and um, really open up your taste buds. And I mean, it's just been so innovative working 
or seeing Aurani work in our kitchen because he uses all kinds of interesting and local ingredients, which maybe I didn't even know about. Yeah, I think for me, it keeps evolving. I mean, there are phases. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, right now, I mean, ever since uh, I've been in Calcutta, um, like Shuli mentioned, you know, there's beautiful citrus fruit here, you know, and every season has a different kind of citrus. Uh, from a Gondoraj Lebu to a Kagji Lebu to a Batabi Lebu. Um, so, uh, Gondoraj Lebu is really fragrant. It's almost like, think the sweetness of, you know, uh, lemongrass with like the zing of a kafir lime. It's that bright and, you know, aromatic. Uh, then there is a Kagji Lebu or a Gora Lebu, which is really juicy. And while small, it, 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 it almost looks like a Musambi from the inside. Uh, and then there is, of course, the Batabi Lebu, which is the original and indigenous strain of the pomelo, you know, and it's indigenous to Bengal in many ways. Um, over time, I mean, I think with every season, with every year, I kind of discover something new or think of something new. Lately, we've become really obsessed with zero waste uh as well i mean it's not just about farm to table but we're just realizing that to keep the operation kind of going smoothly and also kind of you know we can't be as wasteful right now uh, especially given the context of covid and the way business is um i i mean there's a term called offal uh, which essentially is all the nasty bits of you know meat like you know the liver and the intestines and all the parts which are usually thrown away these are all things which are, you know, there is waste across the board, um, across any meat product, be it seafood, be it mutton, be it chicken, you know, there's always a lot of waste. Most other restaurants will always try and promote boneless cuts, you know. Um, while for us, we always want to add in every part of the animal or every part of the vegetable. The fact that we make our, uh, you know, uh, jus, which is like a sauce that goes with a lot of roasts and things like that from vegetable peels, you know, or the fact that any fish that comes in, even though we are selling boneless fillets uh, to our customers, our own uh, staff or what we like to call family meals in the kitchen, we use the fish head, we use the fish eggs, uh, we use the fish, uh, you know, liver and intestines. And... Uh, Slowly, slowly, bit by bit, we are also trying to find ways of introducing these ingredients to our diners. Um, of course, there is always, you know, a tug of war in such moves. But, you know, we've been really happy to see there's been a positive response in the sense that uh, the dhansak and bone marrow path um, did really well. Sorry, this was a dish that we did a few weeks ago. There is always a lot of bones that are left, you know, uh, from a lot of the produce that we're picking up. And we decided, why not try and cook a local kind of, uh, you know, a local chal, gobin bhog. Um, rather than flavoring it with ghee or butter, we thought, why not flavor it with all the broth and the bone marrow that comes out of all these bones, you know, which are just lying around in the kitchen. I guess in terms of ingredients, there's always something interesting lying around. And that's the best part of Bengal, you know, being somebody who has spent most of my professional career and... Uh, you know, personal life between Delhi and Bombay. Coming to Bengal just really just changed my perspective in the way uh, one can stock a larder is because this is one of those regions in the country which is still completely seasonal. 
there's just so much to discover there is so much to explore in bengal that i i really feel that every 3 or 6 months i always have a new love or a new passion you know like last year i loved eating big fatty freshwater fish like chitol or ardmach uh, you know these are both kinds of catfish which are found in the larger river systems you know in the gangetic and the brahmaputra systems uh, and i loved across bengal uh, assam um, and generally these regions you know uh, but this year i have suddenly fallen in love with tiny fish you know and by tiny i mean small to the size of like my fingers there's morula march there's kachki march there's tangra march um these are tiny fish but they have lots of flavor if i visit your restaurant and leave it on you to choose what i should eat what three items will you recommend surely what would you recommend tell me one day to begin with a pesto no yes i guess a pesto which has <laughs> been with us from day one <laughs> yeah and it's it's amazing how this one dish has just seen so much evolution over the years because yeah. pesto is just a simple sauce of parmesan basil and pine nuts with olive oil right and you kind of grind it i had first tasted it as a friend uh, of you know shuli's when i had visited the cafe and it, it's just a lovely rustic recipe that her mom had kind of taught the team and then over time uh, and now that i'm also in place you know we just try to always uh, just apply that little bit of critical thinking and just always take it to that next level you know over the years now we're using a lot of local herbs in the pesto as well it's not just italian basil you know uh, or also i mean the latest tweak we've applied to it is the fact that right now it's really hard and we're not getting a lot of it in quantity so we figured out a way to like uh, do it with breadcrumbs uh you know and a mix of parmesan and breadcrumbs um we're using handmade pasta you know so um that is one dish you know which has been on the menu from inception and you know it's still doing really well i think uh, you should come and really try one of our burgers again i mean i'm saying the burgers because it highlights to me one very delicious ingredient which is the mutton in bengal you know um it is just the right amount of sweetness to fattiness and you know we go to a butcher ourselves uh, i choose all the cuts of meat myself and it is hand butchered uh, mince you know uh, or hand cut keema so to say so all these little little touches you know really i mean yeah enhance what is considered to be a rather fast food or junk food item um we actually try and uplift it to a gourmet experience you know in many ways third dish that you should have is a bhetki you know yeah yeah um i mean bhetki is just one of those beautiful fish which is easily available it is farmed in rather responsible ways or can be caught even from the river and unlike most other parts of the world bhetki uh, so bhetki is also found in say southeast asia or australia there is called baramundi or uh, the asian sea bass in calcutta it is a slightly sweeter fish because here it is caught in the river systems you know uh, or you know in the pukurs which are these massive ponds uh, which are all across the countryside and that makes for a slightly sweeter fish for the bhetki you know and it is a kind of fish which just goes well with any kind of preparation like we serve our bhetki with a miso butter we serve our bhetki with like capers and marinara we even serve our bhetki with very traditional bengali preparations um so 
as a fish it is um, you know and especially for somebody who is visiting calcutta from outside um, it is just one of those lovely yeah it's just one of those lovely ingredients uh, and it's 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 one of the most uh, accessible ways to kind of uh, make your way into the world of march uh, that sounds like really interesting uh, aruni please share a little yeah. about salban homestay uh, what was the idea behind its inception and uh, how it is different than other entities in kana region right so <laughs> i think salban started off as not wanting to be a homestay salban started off as my parents wanting to give up their urban life you know uh, they had always decided that once me and my younger sister kind of finished high school and college and we were kind of settled in life they always wanted to get out of the city because mom was um, you know uh, at that point she was publisher of uh, lonely planet and she used to you know take out all their guide books in india uh, so travel and you know being away from the city or the urban life was always a big part of what her work life was as well and my father was uh, you know into wildlife conservation and was you know a leadership in one of the larger ngos in the country so in that sense the move away from the city to the forest was quite natural and easy for them it's just that i think once they got there they realized that they kind of needed something to keep themselves occupied because retirement isn't as easy as people think it is you know just sitting around and doing nothing now i think the biggest difference between say the average resort in kanha or in any other part of the country and say a homestay like salban is it's 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 the same thing as what we were talking about farm to table that it is everything is handcrafted you know the home you're living in was actually designed and personally constructed by my parents you know so every detail every veranda you know every window has been thought through uh, with that personal touch there is that same personal touch which goes into like the food you consume over there because um, around the property there is 15 acres of farmland uh, and forests you know as well so half those trees are mahua trees for example um, half the farmland they are growing local varieties of rice and uh, millets you know Uh, the kodu millet that my parents grow especially it's it's lovely and delicious to eat and you know there are a lot of regulars who keep going back to salban and they will actually refuse to eat rice for lunch or dinner and insist on eating you know steamed kodu with the dal or the sabzi um there's also the fact that again it's handmade is because it's either my mom or my dad that is supervising the cooking um and it's the same when it goes into say you're going for a safari or a nature walk because you have the choice of you know having two of the foremost travel and wildlife experts in the country you know to actually personally take you into the park or to personally guide you and things like that so in many ways it is a perfect balance of familiarity meets you know expertise uh, you're completely at home and you know yet you're getting a very curated uh, you know thought through crafted uh, you know wildlife experience which is is quite hard to get anywhere else in the country in that sense i have actually noticed this while traveling in north bengal that homestay yeah. owners are directly involved in kitchen no wonder yeah. the food sounds so delicious <laughs> <laughs> i would love to interview your parents someday <laughs> No, so let's try and figure this out. Uh, I don't know if Zoom is possible in Kanha because network is always horrible. 
but i'm sure we can at least figure out a phone call or some way for you to you know extract and mine more information because ultimately um, you know i don't live there all the time man it's one of my biggest regrets but uh, what to do you know work kind of pulls me away um but yeah it it really is i mean say north bengal say uttaranchal i've been to similar home stay setups in uttaranchal or down south you know uh, around purd or around the nilgiris you know uh, day by day more and more i mean bespoke is the way to go because you know even i mean essentially the kind of service that you get in luxury or five star or seven star today clearly it's very you know it's it's very easy to uh, xerox that or kind of copy that but ownership and i mean this is something that extends to us at cna as well uh, there is one of us always on the restaurant or dining room floor there is one of us always in the store or around because um that is the best way to kind of take forward a vision or to kind of present something you know to customers this is an advantage of staying in home stays uh, what can be better than uh, like a travel experience than a uh, personal interaction with a local family absolutely there there really isn't i mean um, and i think that that's also the reason why the larger travel companies are kind of slowly becoming obsolete don't you say yeah right we have discussed a lot about responsibility of food producers and restauranteurs but sure. as diners what is our responsibility um i think to support organizations that like ours that are sort of making that effort to uh work with local farmers um and local artisans i think every time we choose to order food or um you know uh go to a restaurant and order something on the menu i think it's we have to be conscious about our choices and that applies even to going to a store if you're going to a handicraft store it's the same thing the amount of your money where your money is going and for what cause uh it's important to think about those things um that's why it's a conscious choice because you have to kind of stop and think about why you're investing in that so i think uh, to be more mindful i guess about uh what we eat out and what we're ordering from different restaurants so that more restaurants are encouraged also to put those kind of things on the menu or shape their uh you know their uh, functionality also in that way so that they also kind of evolve and think about putting local things on the menu because they'll only do it if eventually it sells otherwise it will be very hard for them to sustain you know as a diner rather than being greedy and saying that i will consume you know good quality meat or fish or vegetables every day we also kind of have to figure out a way to consume less might mean we have to spend a little more on something that is of much greater quality we've stopped using frozen fish completely is because it's also something that diners ask for you know it's not because um you know it it makes life easier for us in any way uh, but you know a few years ago i had this conversation i remember with a diner telling me that it's great you make a really delicious steak or salmon you know but uh, i think bhetki tastes as good and it's always fresh and it's not being flown across from the other part of the world so why aren't you kind of doing your best to promote it and even that conversation quite often goes to the next level where people are like listen bhetki is an expensive fish um even amongst the local population you know 
so why don't you start using uh, say cheaper pond fish you know and um as diners it is our job to kind of always have this conversation uh, always provide this feedback to the industry because if we don't they're not going to change their ways you know the only way one kind of can evolve is through conversation and through genuine feedback as opposed to you know ridicule uh, i think that is the most important thing you know you can't dismiss something just because you feel that oh it's expensive so i'm not going to eat it yes yes maybe eating at a restaurant is more expensive than eating at the average fast food joint or at the average food court restaurant you know in a mall uh, but there's a reason behind it and i think as diners we need to learn to investigate those reasons and be empathetic to them you know and i think as diners we should be conscious about food wastage as well of course of course of course um that being said i mean i think as a restaurant it's our job to also make sure the food is so delicious it doesn't you know and also in the way we produce and that's what we were saying before you know that we're currently using everything from you know our fish bones to our prawn heads to our prawn tails to our even our potato peels you know into everything that uh, is produced so yes i mean i was talking about tug of war but this tug of war is very important between both sides what do you think is the future of far to table uh, dining in post covid world um it's only going to grow because see it's like i said um, right now if it's hard to get parmesan cheese it's hard to get a lot of things you know and the whole idea of this international or global supply chain this pandemic really shows you know the holes in that system or in that model and i only think that the future is going to be much stronger because it's like i said farm to table in many senses is also just an extension of local to table you know and uh, this pandemic if anything it's taught us is that even you know something that we consider or took for granted which is the global supply chain or a you know a larger national supply chain even that is very valuable you know and can easily come apart thanks guys for this session uh, it was really interesting i hope that you guys keep innovating and doing amazing work in this field and more than that i hope that your work inspires more such ventures i hope that i get to visit siena someday in future it would really be a pleasure to break bread with you anshul and uh, yeah we really mm, hope thank you so much for having us and um, hope to see you soon or like we say feed you soon <laughs> yeah <laughs> our listeners can follow siena at so if you just search for siena on this first store or siena store you should be able to find it both on facebook and on instagram you can also follow me on twitter and instagram and share your thoughts about this episode Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast and don't forget to check out more episodes. Uh, I'll be back with a new guest and a new conversation soon.